We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hey, what is up, everybody? Welcome to the Guilty as Charged podcast presented by our friends at Prize Picks. My name is Steven, and I'm the host. And obviously, Tyler is not here today. So I got my our good friend of the show, Mr. Jake Hefner, to uh, come on in his place. Very excited about him. We've had him on in a crossover episode. He's come on with Alex. So this is his first time on the, the flagship podcast, if you will. And I'm really excited to talk to him today. So, uh, Jake, what's up, man? How are you doing tonight? I'm doing good. Yeah, obviously, it's it, this is not Tyler. I'm not doing handstands or cartwheels. I'm pushing 40, <laughs> so I wouldn't be able to do that anyway. Uh, this is not Universe 838 or 616 or whatever you want to consider it. This is just two guys who love football, love the Chargers, getting together for a nice conversation. Yeah, pushing 40 uh, does not show at all, might I add. So it, oh, it still you, uh, continues to blow my mind. I thought you were like younger than me the first time we met. So there we go. <laughs> Uh, what does that say about me? I guess <laughs> but, uh, excited to talk, uh, about Joe Ortiz. He's, he's the big fish that we're talking about today. Unfortunately, I have to talk about the travesty that came out today that Antonio Gates is not going to be a first ballot hall of famer. Um, this is one of the biggest snubs in all time history, in my opinion, Jake, but, uh, what's your reaction here to, to this news that, that we just got? I mean, did they change people on the Hall of Fame committee? I mean, did they bring in some new people that haven't been watching football over the last 25 years? How how do you keep this man from his from a first ballot Hall of Famer, given what he has done statistically? You don't even have to watch any film. Just look at the stats and tell me that that's not Hall of Fame worthy in the first ballot. Yeah, it, it's wild to me. I mean, you look at obviously the touchdown record is the touchdown record. But it's not just the touchdown record. Like, nobody's going to break that record for a very long time. I mean, Travis Kelsey, if you put, like, playoffs in it, obviously he he could, like, pass him for for total touchdowns. But Travis Kelsey's at 77 regular season touchdowns. Like, he's not coming anywhere close to that. That touchdown record is going to stand for a very long time. Yes. 
And if you just put it in receiving touchdowns, he's seventh in NFL history, including wide receivers. And he's third all time in receiving yards from a tight end. Like the longevity was crazy. I, if this is because of the one PED suspension, I'm going to lose my shit because that would be such a petty reason to keep somebody out of the hall of fame. And traditionally the NFL is not as bad about that as major league baseball. But I saw that being pointed around on Twitter. So uh, I am maybe wondering if that's the case, but we don't know who got in over him just yet. I'm sure that's going to come out in a few minutes here, but Gates not getting in, man. It's, it's a travesty. This is somebody who should absolutely have been a first ballot Hall of Famer. I didn't even think about the, the PD, PD thing, just considering the guys that you already have in the Hall of Fame during the time right. where steroids was looked the other way in the NFL, right. <laughs> given the guys you already have in. I can't see why that would be the ultimate factor as to why he did not get in today. But still, look, I understand it is the Hall of Fame is an elite class within itself as far as the people who get in. But Antonio Gates being stubbed today is a damn travesty. travesty. Yeah, I I understand that it's like you want it to be like this elite club. But if you're keeping guys like Antonio Gates and Steve Smith and Torrey Holt out of the hall, I think you maybe need to like loosen up the the requirements just a smidge because those are all guys that should have been in, you know, first off. I'm not asking to turn this into the basketball hall of fame where guys like Yao Ming who play for seven seasons are in the hall of fame. Like just like, just a little smidge to hear. I'm just asking for a little bit because that seems kind of ridiculous to me. Yes. Makes it makes perfect sense. I mean, honestly, it just, what a, what a great story just from a standpoint of, again, another undrafted, guy that comes in as you said with a basketball background and does the thing that he does and puts up some of the best numbers of tight ends in NFL history I mean that that is not something that comes around every once in a while that you could just put into the Hall of Fame to say like okay yeah you know you got two dozen first bound for uh first round wide receivers that were taken and then we we knew that they were going to put up great numbers nobody saw this coming from Antonio Gates when he came in the league I mean yeah. It's it's just amazing to me that of all the snubs that you look the other way with this one. Yeah, it's uh, that's a frustrating one for sure. Um, well, once we figure out who got in over him, you know, maybe that'll give some context. But that list, there's nobody that should have made it over Antonio Gates, in my opinion. Um, so we'll see what happens there. Um, turning to some more exciting stuff here jake obviously does great stuff for chargers unleashed um if you guys are not listening to him i would encourage you to definitely go do that um you and i we'll we'll, we'll get into the specifics here from like all the joe Ortiz stuff but i just want to get like your vibe here because you and i and tyler we sat at training camp and we we're kind of like trying to figure out how excited about the season we were gonna be you know like we had all these question marks and i remember talking to you and and Daniel Popper was out there, you know, on the sidelines with us as well. And then the season obviously went the way it did. But, you know, we've got Jim Harbaugh now. We got Joe Ortiz now. So for you, like, what's kind of the last few weeks been like covering this? You know, we've talked about this, but your perspective and Dan's perspective, like, what is that the last couple of weeks been like for you guys? It just feels like a whirlwind. It's it's something that this fan base, I don't think, has ever experienced from just a standpoint of a culture shock that resonates with players, with this fan base that has just been aching for that for so long. And even and you could even take it back to just like, okay, you know, we haven't had a coach since since Marty that was like that to brought that brought us to that type of a level in terms of the team and the success. 
But even Marty at that point in time was established. And, you know, Marty's big knock was that he just he couldn't get it done in the playoffs. And ultimately, unfortunately, that again reared true for the when he was with the Chargers. But to now go from Schottenheimer through the Norv Turner days, through the Mike McCoy days, the Anthony Lynn days, and now we're right at Brandon Staley. And it just always seemed like this team was always handcuffed by something. And you could call it injuries, you could call it, you know, coaching, you could call it personnel, lack thereof, draft picks, GMs, whatever it is you want to say, it just seems like this team was ultimately always handcuffed one way or another. And then you bring in Jim Harbaugh. And Dan and I had even speculated on this when John Spanos came out and was talking about their initial coaching search to say like, you know, we're going to cast a wide net. And even I had to, I I, even I had a little bit of reservations about it because he has said this during previous coaching searches. Mm-hmm. And then when you look what they actually done going through 15 candidates, yeah, literally through every through every scope in terms of experienced, you know, non-experienced, first time possibilities, whatever it is that you want to call it. And then to get the fish that you were hunting for from the very get go. And then now to see the trickle down effect that has taken place, not only do you bring in Jim Harbaugh, but you pair him with a guy who has been with an organization for 26 years of sustained success over that period of time, knows Jim very well. And now we're starting to see the other trickle down effects from Greg Roman, from Jesse Minter, from all of these connections that almost like a hive mind, if you will. And now Chad Alexander yesterday coming in to replace Jojo Wooden as the assistant GM. There is going to be a clear, focused direction as far as what the front office and Harbaugh are going to want for this team moving forward. And you've never seen that type of cohesion before. So the outlook as far as the draft gets more interesting. The outlook as far as trading down, getting comp picks, which we all love that conversation, the outlook as far as free agent decisions, all of those things now get amplified. Yeah, I think that all of that is incredibly well said. I think that, you know, this makes me think of a conversation that, you know, Bill Barnwell, Nate Tice and Robert Mays are having on the athletic football show. And every single year they do like a lessons you can learn from the the last four teams standing. And Bill Barnwell brought this point up of like, NFL teams need to be flexible with your identity. Like obviously you have your culture and things that you stand by. Like you, you can't change the pillars, but like the identity, like you have to change and like move with the times. And I I sat there and I was like listening to that. And I'm like, okay, comparing what we've been hearing for the last 11 years under the Tom Telesco era, if you will, versus what Joe Ortiz and Jim Harbaugh were just talking about. I feel like the Chargers are definitely moving in that direction. We're not, we're not going to know. This is the first step. I know that there's a lot of negativity about the the Greg Roman hire. We can talk about that if we want to. But um, this is the first step of the Jim Harbaugh, Joe Ortiz era. And at some point, they're going to have the chance to be a little bit more flexible, maybe you know change some things, maybe evolve some things. And if they do that, then you know that's kind of the, the key thing from a philo- philosophical standpoint for them in that second step of getting to that second step. Like, I think everybody kind of needs to take a step back here and realize like, this is the the first iteration of this regime. We can't expect, you know, five years from now that everything's going to look the same. You know, these teams have a chance to evolve. They have a chance to learn. They have a chance to adjust on the fly. 
The difference is, is that I trust Jim Harbaugh and Joe Ortiz to be the guys to do that. And regardless of who the coach was, Tom Tedesco never changed his ways. He, he was stuck. He was rigid. He was not flexible. He collaborated with his coaches. I will give him credit for that. And I always have. But then the coaches too. Anthony Lynn was rigid. Tom, uh, Brandon Staley rigid. Like, this is my way. This is how I'm doing things. This is how I came up. Jim Harbaugh has shown throughout his tenure that, yes, I have my core philosophies, but maybe I'll go hire Mike McDonald from the NFL. Maybe I'll go get Jesse Minter from Vanderbilt. Like, he has flexibility and shown that. So I think that is a core thing as well to look forward to for, for Chargers fans. Yeah, and to, and to piggyback off of that, it's just Joe Horty's message just, I thought, hit so strong. And, and some people criticize it to say like, oh, okay, you're going to win multiple championships. No, but it's like, well, what are you what are you going to say? We're going to contend? Yeah. Chargers have talked about contending for way too long. To me, Joe Hortiz and Jim Harbaugh, they knew exactly what it was. And I feel like if you were to listen to their press conferences, you can pick some things out to say, they knew exactly what is needed for this roster moving forward, whether it's the culture change or personnel or whatever it is that they need. They know that it needs a culture shock. They, they know what the perception is of the Los Angeles chargers up until this point, a narrative that they have in part created themselves and they know what it's going to take to fix it. Now, obviously you have to keep your word and go out and actually execute, but to him to actually come out and talk like that, I thought was I thought was a case of a guy who understands what it is that he needs to do, obviously is bringing in the personnel, both in the front office and in the coaching staff that he's familiar with to get the job done. And to Tyler's tweet earlier <laughs> about, I think it was actually about uh, Chad Alexander yesterday, Joe Hortiz is not messing around. Mm-hmm. He is yeah. not messing around. And you can clearly see that. And we're just talking about this is days after he's officially made the GM. I mean, he's wanting to hit the ground running. Yeah. No, he, he totally deserves credit for that. For those who may have missed it, um, the Chargers have hired Ch- uh, Chad Alexander as their new assistant GM, uh, stealing him from the New York Jets. I think that that says a lot about the cachet that Joe Ortiz has around the league because even he was like, yeah, like I want, I have some guys I want to bring in, but like I might not be able to do that until like after the draft season. Like we'll see. It might just be like me and everybody else, but but we'll see what happens. And then the next day, it's like boom, splash hire right away. And you know this this Chad Alexander hire, I think, can turn into something really cool for the Chargers because um, he's been with Joe Ortiz. He knows how he thinks. He's been with Joe Douglas, who obviously came up with for the Ravens as well, and. He's a former fullback. He's a former defensive end from Wake Forest. Like, there's a lot of identity cohesion here that I think should be exciting because, like, we're never going to know. It's, it's so hard to know for, like, front office, like, who gets credit for what here. But Joe loves the line of scrimmage. Dan and Jeremiah said offensive line is Joe's thing. And then this guy is a former fullback and a defensive end who loves the line of scrimmage. He's been in New York who have consistently invested in the defensive line over the past six years with Joe Douglas. So this is a really cool pairing. And like, as a very enthusiastic fan of the trenches, this has me fired up about the possibilities for the draft and for the free agency going forward. Yeah. It's, it's when you look at that and you start thinking to yourself, cause you and I, you know, we're, we're big fans of Mr. Bowers over there in Georgia. Yes. <laughs> but when you start looking at some of these moves, you start thinking to yourself, it's like, 
is it going to be an offensive lineman at number five? <laughs> it yeah. really could end up lining up that way. Who knows? We'll obviously know more here within the next month and free agency and the draft goes. But it's it shows obviously what they what they invest in. And you know this from Jim Harbaugh's previous drafts, how he likes to build up his team, what's most important to him. Obviously, that's one of the reasons that Greg Roman was coming over here. Obviously, having the offensive coordinator title, he's definitely going to have a hand in fixing the run game. That is for sure, because if there is one thing that sticks out on his resume, it's his success that he has brought to his his, uh his stints in Baltimore and in San Francisco and what he's done for their running games when he was the OC there. But they have an idea of what it is that they want to do. And it's, I think it's in simplest terms of having Justin Herbert not have to play Superman on every single down, make this offense more balanced, make it more confusing for defenses, for who they have to be responsible for and covering. And who the hell wants to see a stacked box and people just pinning their ears back and coming off after Justin Herbert every snap. We don't. We're, we've lived through it essentially since he came in the league. We'd like to see something different and somebody else take the reins and somebody else for the defense to worry about. But to your point, building up through the trenches and protecting Justin Herbert and, and getting him more weapons, they know what it is that they want to do. And as you alluded to, it could start in the trenches. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, the... The Brandon Saley regime, I think, like, I can understand why you would look at Justin Herbert and Derwin James as, as like, the guys, like, we're going to put everything on their plates. Like, we believe that they can handle it. Derwin's going to play seven positions. Justin's going to have all the protections and all the calls and all the checks and everything. But there is something to be said about, like, let's let's ease this process back here a little bit. Let's not, like, stress them out full on all the time. And it's about complimentary football. Like, that was always the issue with Brandon Staley's defense. He he got special teams right. I'll give him that. He hired Ryan Ficken, the god feature statue out of SoFi Stadium. Yes. Um, it's the best thing he ever did as Chargers coach. But <laughs> the defense, the run game, it was always lacking. And whether it was Kellen Moore, Joe Lombardi, Frank Smith did his, his, did his absolute best to get it. And they were middle of the pack with Frank Smith, and that was great. But um, this, this regime truly believes in complimentary football and it's about the run and it's about the playmakers and it's about defense and it's about special teams and it's about not making Justin Herbert have to play at an MVP level every single week, every single down. And instead it's just like, Hey, like we're like, we're going to make his life easy and we're going to maximize his talent as well. Yeah. It's how much easier can you make it when you look at, San Francisco, for example, as far as Brock Purdy not having to necessarily play Superman every single down, you have Christian McCaffrey, you've always had that Shanahan running scheme. Baltimore, for what Lamar Jackson turned into for an MVP season that he had, he also had a great running game over there in Baltimore. I think when Kansas City needs to run the ball, they can run the ball with Isaiah Pacheco, and they can take some of that pressure off of Patrick Mahomes. So making a balanced offense and kind of just going back to the whole simple, stupid type of formula. It works in this circumstance with Justin Herbert. You're going to be able to open up the playbook a lot more if you can get a decent running game going. Yeah. 100%. Um, Obviously it's not all roses. The chargers roster does need some work. That's why they're hiring Joe Ortiz to come in here. And it's why Chad Alexander is in here. We've talked a lot about the big four. So I, I don't necessarily want to focus on the big four and like their futures, in terms of the Chargers roster, like 
my biggest curiosity is like, how does Joe Ortiz prioritize what positions, you know, Jesse Minter's defense is, is very different than Brandon Staley's in terms of positional versatility. There's some things that they have to clean up. We just talked about the offensive line, the defensive line, safeties. Like, I, I like I have no idea what, what the priorities should be. That's why we're here to discuss that in particular. And I think like we'll start on the defensive side of here. Uh, Jake, if that's cool with you. Um, when you look at, like the the Jesse Minter defense and like what the Chargers currently have, what's like priority number one for you? Like if you're Joe Ortiz and you're talking with Jesse Minter and you're like, what's our game plan? What's the first position that you are attacking this offseason? I know it's a loaded I mean, question I, because they, they need it, so much. It is a loaded <laughs> question. Yeah, because I you literally could just go anywhere on the board. Um I honestly think <sighs> See, even me saying it now is somewhat confusing. But to me, I would say whatever it is that you're going to do along the defensive line, and obviously you do have some bodies to fill with Sebastian Joseph Day not being there. You have to make your decisions on Khalil Mack and Joey Bosa, but you have to prioritize that secondary. And whether that means that you're going to be bringing back Alohi Gilman and and giving him a contract extension, um, or excuse me, a second contract, you have to get some help in that secondary. Asante Samuel Jr. cannot do this on his own, nor is I. do I think that he's capable of doing certain things that defensive coordinators want him to do. I think he is a very good cornerback when you mold him to his strengths. I think what happened with the Chargers and Brandon Staley, it was almost like Asante was asked to do too much because obviously you didn't have J.C. Jackson out there playing to his form. Michael Davis obviously took a step back from his 2022 season that looked well. And you had Jasir Taylor and Dean Leonard that were question marks and didn't have enough experience. So I think if you get Asante Samuel to play in the system that he is good at and play to his strengths, he can thrive. Now, you definitely need to put some talent around here at corner. In terms of all the priorities of the draft, it's tough because, you know, when we were looking at this maybe in November, not knowing when the Chargers were going to pick, I think a lot of our conversations was immediately going to cornerback, kind of predicting where the Chargers were going to fall yeah. at that point. So the the Kool-Aid McHistory, the, the Nate Wiggins contracts, the Teron Arnold conversations were all coming up. And now for the Chargers having five, that seems way too rich now. To mm-hmm. be thinking about going corner. So do you trade back? I would say at least you'd have to come out of this draft by the end of day two with a cornerback that you know you're going to start opposite of Asante Samuel Jr. I don't really know anybody else that's on that roster nor a pending free agent right now that you can afford to come in there to take that spot. Yeah, it's such a tough question because like I assume that they're going to cut one of Joey Bosa or Khalil Mack and you'll, you're, you'll need a third edge rusher. Maybe they decide to rip the bandit off and cut both. Then you need two. And defensive tackle is slim. You know, linebacker is slim. Corner is slim. Safety is slim. It's so tough. Like, the defense is in rough shape. And, like, I know that there's a ton of people. Like, Colin Coward did, like, a 12-minute thing about the Chargers are going to contend right away. Like, maybe an offense, they'll have an offense that can contend. The defense, I think, is going to be a longer-term thing here. But I, I think I look at what... Um, the Ravens have done with Mike McDonald and what Jesse Minter has done at Michigan. I think safety is the right spot to say this should be the number one priority because I I think that Jesse Minter is going to look at Derwin James and look at what Mike McDonald did with Kyle Hamilton and say, hey, you know what? Like, I want this guy playing in the slot quite often. 
Like we saw what he did at the close of the season that he's just comfortable there. And it's such a weapon if he can play effectively there, but you don't have it. Like you don't have the guys who can fill those spots. So like, if it's me, I'm Jesse Minter and saying, I need reliable safety play so that I can use Derwin in his best way possible. And I know it's weird to say safety is the highest priority, but I think you look at a guy like Geno Stone who played with the Ravens as the free safety you know, he, I don't think he should cost that much. You can look at a guy like Cam Curl. You could look at a guy like Julian Blackman from the Colts. If I'm Jesse Minter, I feel like I need better safety play. So I think safety would be my choice here to say, this is where I'm targeting first. We could figure out some cheap replacements elsewhere along the defensive line, draft, stuff like that. But I think Jesse Minter is going to really want to say, hey, you know what? I need a better safety trio here like let's go get some quality free agents in here i guess my retort to you on that would be is it is it more would this be the the safety that's coming in to replace jt woods as a third safety or do you think that they need an upgrade over alohi gilman to pair with derwin even though alohi obviously played great in the last year of his contract in terms of proving his value but in terms of where you're talking about investing that safety in is it for safety three or do you want this this guy starting next to Derwin yeah I'm not I'm not against uh Alohi coming back um and being safety two or three depending on the order but I I think it would be a mistake to head into the season trusting JT Woods or a rookie to be a third safety I think you need three quality veteran players in here to really run Jesse Minter's scheme from the safety position because if you really look at the Ravens like Marlon Humphrey is a great player but Marlon Humphrey misses time every single year and the Ravens never really missed a beat because of what they have in the middle. And so for me, like Alohi can come back. I'm cool with it. I think he's a good culture guy. He's a good, you know, obviously he creates a lot of turnovers. He has that kind of mentality. I think he could fit in the same kind of role, but I think they need three veteran safeties in here. And I think you do that through free agency. That That's kind of my read on what, the Ravens have done so well and, and what Jesse Minter has been able to do at Michigan. Yeah. I like, I like the idea. I like the idea. I mean, again, it's tough. How many holes can you fill? Well, they're not all, <laughs> all, all going to be filled in free agency. That's definitely yeah. for sure. And the draft, how are you going to prioritize it? Cause you literally have as much <laughs> things on defense that you need on the offensive side of the ball, save for quarterback. Yeah. I mean, everybody's like, go get Justin Matabike. And I'm like, they have like 37 <laughs> needs. Like, let's relax. Exactly. <laughs> and we don't have the spending money that we had a year ago. Unfortunately, yeah. we can't do that. Yeah. Uh, I guess my next question here from the defensive side of things, how much are you trusting Dayon Hanley in year two? And linebacker, I, I don't think Jesse Minter needs linebacker as much as maybe Mike McDonald did because Mike McDonald obviously you know traded for Rokon Smith and that like, elevated their their passing game maybe jesse minter does but Darren henley where you at with him and then linebacker what's your kind of your thought process and how they could address that we're kind of in that isaiah spiller conversation now because hmm. while i was happy that they were giving Dayon a little bit more snaps when giff smith was the interim head coach i still didn't feel like it was enough i still felt that he got more preseason snaps 
at linebacker than he did during those final four weeks of the season. So it's still kind of a question mark because as much as I love him as an athlete, I think he's going to turn into a great linebacker. I definitely think he has proven that he's got more value uh, than just on special teams. But you're kind of right in the middle there where you just haven't seen enough of him in those moments of the game to say 100% absolutely he's the guy. But I think Jesse Minter and Jim Harbaugh looking at what his game is and his profile, hell, why the why not? Why not? I think you could create something really special from the linebacker spot and just, you know, essentially just, just let him go. <laughs> let, yeah. let him go. Let him play his game. Yeah, I, I'm excited to see what he looks like in this in this defense. Again, I think there's going to be some growing pains there because of the lack of reps. Would have been great to get him those reps. I, I'm kind of of the mindset that you maybe draft somebody in like round three, round four, and then you let that rookie, Dayon and Nick Neiman, kind of duke it out. Like I think linebacker is, is a position where you maybe take some lumps this year uh, and oh, see yeah. kind of the growth, maybe you, maybe day on hits, maybe the rookie hits and maybe you kind of overcompensate that with the safety play. That's kind of my mindset because it, it is so much easier to pay for quality safety play than it is for quality linebacker play. I mean, the Jaguars handed out fat contracts and first round picks. I love my guy, Devin Lloyd. I hope he turns out better than he has been so far, but they invested premium resources in the linebacker spot and it's been a swing and a miss. So linebacker to me has become really tricky so I almost would just rather invest in youth and take some lumps and let them see how they can kind of handle that. Next year, you'll have some money. Maybe you swing for a veteran next year. But linebacker for me is kind of a youth movement. If I'm picking one position to kind of set aside for now, unfortunately, I do think that is linebacker. I, I would fully agree with that. And especially, you know, you think about the – the transition going from Drew Tranquil to the contract that you gave Eric Kendricks, obviously Kenneth Murray is most likely on his way out the door. Yeah. And just, again, we're talking about overall spending here. Priority in terms of free agency goes, I would probably put linebacker toward the bottom if I had, you know, to stack rank all the other positions as far as where I'd want to put my money. But yeah. then to your point, in terms of going with a youth movement, you're kind of also a little bit snake bitten because this draft, as far as the linebacker class goes, not the best, yeah, <laughs> not, not, not the best. So you have to do some good hunting to, to get some good play out of this class, depending on when you want to prioritize it. Yeah. The college linebacker, it's such an issue right now. Like there's some very interesting prospects. It was the same thing last year, but the missed tackle rates, is absurdly high in this particular class. Like there are guys with like 15, 18% missed tackle rates. The only guys who are really low in that regard are uh, Junior Colson from Michigan and Peyton Wilson, who has like an extensive medical history. So it's, it's a tough year to need a linebacker. That's why I'm kind of just like, Hey man, let's get some athletes. Let's take some youth. Let's, let's see what That's happens. That's right. Yes. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. 
Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time, the Roast of Tom Brady, a Netflix live event happening May 5th Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Um, all right, before we uh, shift gears here and get to the offensive side of the ball, we do have to pay the bills over here, so... Uh, Chargers fans, we encourage you to make Little Caesars the official pizza sponsor of the NFL. Knows football. Fans love a great game and a great deal. So we're tossing out a challenge and calling it Pick 6 for Slices and Sticks. If there's a Pick 6 during Super Bowl 58, fans who accepted the challenge on our app will get a free Slices and Sticks, period. We've partnered with NFL legend Derek Brooks of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers because he knows all about the Pick 6, having returned one during Super Bowl 37. That play led to a 44-yard touchdown and a win for the Buccaneers. So accept the challenge today and win some pizza from Little Caesars. We also encourage you to use our partner Prize Picks, the best and easiest app for daily fantasy. Uh, they are going to have several Super Bowl specials this weekend. We definitely encourage you to take advantage there. We know that you are several of you are Lakers fans or whatever the Clippers fans. You know, I know we always see some NBA stuff here in the chat. Alex obviously is a big 76ers fan. The Prize Picks crew has some great deals from the NBA side of things as well. You can use the uh, link prizepicks.com slash guilty, code guilty for at checkout for a deposit match up to $100. So appreciate you guys for using Prize Picks and Little Caesars as always. All right, Jake, uh, let's get to the offensive side of things here. We talked about the offensive, offensive line a little, a little bit here. We both love Brock Bowers. I saw. Your guy, Dan, had a little interview with him. Must be nice out there in Las Vegas getting an interview with Brock Bowers. Um, for you, what's kind of your intrigue on offense outside of the fifth overall pick? Like, what what are you looking forward to seeing how this group handles the offensive side of the ball? I mean, immediately you start thinking to yourself, like, okay, obviously tight end is just such a high priority for what you're expected to have on the roster next year. And then... You think beyond that, essentially, as of right now, it's Donald Parham and it's Stone Smart, and they're only going to be with the team for one more year. And Justin Herbert has not had that type of a tight end since Hunter Henry in his rookie season. And even still, if you were to weigh the talent as the talent differences between Hunter Henry and Brock Bowers, I don't think that there's any comparison in that at all. But just to have a tight end that could make plays like that, he has not had even an inkling of that since his rookie year. But then you have to start looking at the wide receiver group. And depending on what happens with Keenan Allen, Mike Williams, possibly both, you have to start investing in that once again, because I don't think that the Chargers taking Quentin Johnson and Darius Davis last year 
takes them away from investing again in wide receiver this year because Joshua Palmer is now coming up on the final year of his contract. You're going to see a lot of turnover in that wide receiver room over the next two years, and you have to start putting some better talent in there. But then the running back spot. The running back spot is just... It's it's such a cluster right now because obviously <laughs> nobody expects Austin Eckler to be to be returning. Joshua Kelly, I would assume the same. You still amazingly do not really know what you have with Isaiah Spiller. I still do not understand from the fact that he has not been able to get a good complement of snaps through two seasons. So because of that, that's still a question mark and kind of maybe a little bit better than the linebacker class, but this running back class unfortunately is not last year's running back class. So the ones that you have that could be a surefire home run three down back for you, those are few and far between as it relates to this draft. So where are you going to prioritize that for the offense? So skill positions, obviously. And then as a, <laughs> in terms of will Clapp coming back or not, in terms of who's going to be snapping the ball to Justin Herbert, Kind of you got to obviously invest in Yeah, kind of a big deal. Somebody has to snap the ball to Justin Herbert, and it needs to be someone that I think that you take in this draft. I think if you were to go through the strongest positions out of those four that I just named off, it's wide receiver and, and center are very strong as it relates to this draft goes. So mm-hmm. I think that the Chargers can find both, um, depending on when they want to invest in them. I think you could find two players in the draft at those two positions that will really help you out. Yeah, we we had somebody on uh, in December to talk about the draft, and they were like, "Yeah, I just I don't love this center class." And like after watching it, I love this center class. I think the center class has a lot too. of dudes to it. So I, I that to too. me is like definitely something I'm pegging for the draft. Personally, I would I just love the idea of like having that long term guy there. Um, yeah, the the tight end position we've talked about a lot. Obviously, the running back position as well. In terms of like, we wish they would have taken one last year. Just at any point. Would have been nice to see. <laughs> um, but tight end again, I think I think you need a veteran like blocker first. Even if you draft Brock Bowers, you're gonna need some reliable blocking alongside him. Like I think Brock Bowers is is a good blocker. I don't think he's like an edge shedder. He's not like a guy that's gonna like dig out a defensive end and like take one on and pass blocking. That's not why you're drafting him, but he can block. Like he's he's a perimeter blocker, he's a second level blocker, and he can do that well. So you are going to need kind of like a physical presence there. You know, maybe that's like, you know, a Adam Troutman or, or my guy, Colby Parkinson. I've mentioned him like 17 times as like a trade target <laughs> that I would love to see. Um, so they are, I, I do think they need like a veteran blocking tight end and then running back too. like, you, you can't just draft somebody like you, you, you need multiple bites of that apple in my opinion. So where are you at with like the Saquon Barkley thing? Like, Jim Harbaugh supposedly told Ryan Leaf that he wants Saquon. I, I don't know how much I buy that, but it is what it is. Um, and then Saquon is like, yeah, I would love to play for the Chargers at Radio Row. So are you a expensive contract for running back or are you kind of like a Gus Edwards type? Where are you at with all that? You know, I, first of all, I feel so bad for the running backs Again, I mean, we thought that last year's example of how the market was set was bad. I think it's going to be even worse this time around. 
for me, I mean, obviously a talent like Saquon, you'd love to bring him on board. Contractually, I'd be interested to know how that would all work out. I agree with you 100% in terms of taking multiple bites at the apple for running back. I definitely think that you would target a free agent running back, that being a Gus Edwards or a J.K. Dobbins, familiarity with the Baltimore system, bringing them in to pair with whatever day three, again, running back that you go and select for this Chargers team, and you try to create a, a two-headed monster out of that, I think that's that's the the best way to go to to get some success in terms of somebody with presence, and then depending on the type of running back that you go out and get, see what type of system complement the, that they can create in terms of a two-headed uh, two-headed monster back there at the running back situ- or <laughs> position. Yeah. Uh, your point about the running back markets too, like uh, Brad Spielberger, who's the best in the business at projecting contracts, he has Saquon and Josh Jacobs and Derrick Henry, like all projecting at less than the franchise tag per year. Like <laughs> that market is just like tanking right now. And those guys, none of them really had like an awesome season. Like Derrick Henry certainly, I think, exceeded expectations for his age and the amount of carries he had. But, you know, Tony Pollard also projected less than the franchise tag. Austin Eckler, who could maybe come back. I don't know. Austin Eckler said he's not closing any doors there. But, you know, he's basically projected to repeat his previous contract. Like, these are all guys who, like, they're all valuable players. Nobody's disputing that. But. It's just, it's such a tough position right now. But for me, I I like, I think you kind of are balancing this with like a four or $5 million contract type and like a third or a fourth round pick. Like, I I think that's like an ideal world there, but at the same time, maybe you sign a four or $5 million, four or $5 million guy. And then also like a a vet minimum guy and just say, Hey, like we're going to veteran thing. We're going to veteran this, this position group. Maybe we'll see what happens with Isaiah Spiller. And then we'll save the draft for all these other positions. Because like you were saying, I love Bucky Irving. But outside of that, it's it's a lot of question marks there at the running back position this year. There's health concerns for several of them. There's age concerns. So it, it is a kind of a tough year for a running back draft perspective. Yeah, and you've already lived through the day three running backs that Tom Telesco had right. selected year over year over year. It's like, okay, are you going to hit your future to yet another one and hope that they pan out? And while that's totally possible, this draft class just might not be the one to do it in. Yeah, yeah, 100% there. Uh, yeah, man, it's a lot of question marks here for the Chargers roster. I know everybody wants to see the big spending, the big money, and maybe they ripped a Band-Aid off on the big four and they're able to do that, but... Uh, I, I, my expectation is kind of that they do the short-term contracts, low money deals. We know that, uh, Joe Ortiz wants to protect the comp picks. He might get a couple for Gerald Everett and Austin Eckler. We'll see, but, uh, I'm not expecting anything crazy in free agency, maybe several additions, but not anything like super expensive this year. Agreed. I think when Joe Ortiz mentioned the, the comp pick discussion, very faintly, I heard it outside my window. I think it was just the collective yell of <laughs> pleasure from Chargers fans everywhere when we heard the okay. term comp picks come up. Yep. <laughs> Something that we never hear of. Yeah. And you could tell that it was sincere. He was like, I'm a fan of comp picks. And then he mentioned it like seven other times. And every time he's like, comp picks, baby. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> so we're all about that. Yeah. 100%. Um, 
Jake, this has been awesome, man. I can't thank you enough for uh, filling in for Tyler here. Um, Chargers fans listening, I'm sure most of you know who he is, um, know where you can find him. But uh, your your co-host is obviously in Las Vegas. So what do you guys got coming up for the next few weeks here over at the Chargers on these podcasts? I, I, again, I have no idea what Dan is, is doing. <laughs> uh, it's basically just kind of like, you know, running by the seat of his pants in terms of, you know, running into people and yeah. and getting a chance to speak with them. Um, over the next few weeks, you know, we've been, I want to continue. It's been a while since we've done it, but we kind of do our positional breakdown and kind of just talk about the construction of that particular position. It was looking into the 2024 season. And then I was expecting it today. And I was expecting that you were going to be all over it as well. When the news dropped, I was expecting the combine list to be released mm. today because I always get up for the combine, yeah. you know, yeah. you can call it the underwear Olympics all you want, but I love 350 pound dudes running 40 yard dashes and doing lateral moves out there. It's just fun to watch. So I was really stoked for that today. Maybe we'll get that tomorrow, but uh, obviously once we get past the Super Bowl, uh, all eyes are on draft season. So I know we're, we're both going to collectively have a lot to talk about. Yeah, 100%. I love the draft with Joe Ortiz at the helm. I'm even more excited for you than I am than usual. So should be a ton of fun. Um, for those wondering, the Chargers, yes, obviously rehired Shane Day as their quarterbacks coach today. Um, Tyler and I are going to cover the whole coaching staff when that comes out at a later time, as I'm sure Jake and Dan will do as well. But I do think that's a good move, solid move for sure. Um, Jake, thanks so much for taking the time to join us, man. We really appreciate it. And uh, let's talk soon, man. Yeah, absolutely. This was fun. Thanks so much. All right, guys. Thanks so much for tuning in. Make sure to like, subscribe, go do the same for Chargers Unleashed as well. And uh, we'll see you next time. As always, bolt up.